The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. It's time to find out the stories behind the stories. Welcome to Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective. Get ready for some amazing guests, along with Nick's own expertise and insight behind some of today's top news in sports. The where, why, and how. Now, here's your host, Nick Ferguson. That's right, it is Thursday, wherever you are, whatever you are doing. I'm thankful to have you listening to the program. This is Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective. If you had any doubt, as always, I'm joined by my partner, Mile High, uh, Mario, Mario. Absolutely. (laughs) You know, Mario, last week was a fantastic show, another great show. Uh, I'll just start off by... Uh, thanking everyone, the engineer and the production, and, and you as always. And we're in the midst of still the World Cup. The U.S. was eliminated. Well, now, let me by, ask you this, Belgium. Yeah, go because, right ahead. Because the U.S. was eliminated, are we still in the midst of the World Cup? I mean, are, are any Americans really still watching <laughs> it and have a vest? Like, honestly, honest question. Of what percentage would you say of all the the, the soccer quote unquote fans that we had, everybody right. watching Team USA, how many of them are still going to be watching soccer with Team USA out? Give me a percentage. You know, I, I would say this, man. I would say maybe about sixty to seventy percent. And here's why. And I touched on it last week when I said when you look at what the U.S. is a, as a whole, it's a melting pot of other. Culture. So it's not just Americans watching this game. I mean, you have people from all parts and sections of the world that are watching this game. And even though the U.S. was eliminated, there's a huge game tomorrow between Colombia and Brazil. I'm not from Colombia. I'm definitely not from Brazil. But guess what? I will be watching I, I that I could have sworn you had some Colombia in you, Nick. <laughs> well, you know what? Maybe at some point, you know, down the track in my life, maybe I was a uh, Colombian, but not, you know, I'm not, I always wanted to go to Brazil, never had a chance to go to Brazil or Colombia, but I would definitely will be watching uh, th- that match. Uh, real quickly before we get started, I want to talk to uh, you guys. I had the pleasure of going to visit a camp here in Los Angeles. It was in uh, Pacific Palisade. It was Camp Crescent Moon. Uh, it was a camp for kids with sickle cell 
uh, anemia. And, and I don't know if you've ever been around with anyone with sickle cell anemia, but these kids were fantastic. It was hilarious to see these kids get out there and interact amongst their peers. Uh, and, and when you look at the life expectancy with uh, kids and adults dealing with sickle cell anemia, it is not that long. But, you know, I, I was pleasantly surprised. I went down, I spoke to the kids, tried to inspire them with a little bit of my, uh, my story. If you want to follow them and donate, because they always need donations, uh, you can follow them on Twitter at Cali, C-A-L-I underscore uh, Sickle Cell. I encourage you to do that also. I don't know, uh, Mario, if you've ever watched Hanging with Mr. Cooper, but there was a comedian named Mark Curry. Uh, and I got the pleasure of meeting Mark at this uh, camp uh, earlier this week. And he was teaching the guys and the kids, guys and girls, you know, what it is to be a stand-up comedian. It, it, was, it was funny. And when you see some of these young faces, I'm going to post uh, some of that video later on the YouTube version of the show. And these kids are hilarious. When you talk about the next upcoming generation of So You Think You Can Dance, it was here in that camp. Now, with that being said, I have to bring in Dion Branch of the New England Patriots, MVP of Super Bowl 39. We'll let him explain that, and also we'll hear from him his top five wide receivers. Dion, thank you for joining the program. Hey, what's going on? Appreciate you, Mr. Nick. No problem. Okay, Dion, I have to kind of get into this. You know, okay. In Denver, we've had several times, for several opportunities to play against the New England Patriots. And we always hear this right. thing of the Patriots way. And I had a chance to talk to Troy Brown, and he was very hush-hush about the Patriots way. Give us an insight on what it's like <laughs> to be, you know, in that Patriots organization. And what, what, what is the Patriots way? What is that? Well, but Nick, that's, that's the Patriots way. Dion can't share that. Hey, yeah, it's a, it's a lot of things I can't say, but what I will say is <laughs> more say, come on. <laughs> the, the most important thing is that, uh, you know, Coach always harped on us about being accountable. Right. I think that's the most important thing once you walk in that building. And, and, and that's, that's, that's everything in life. You know, being accountable to your teammates, being accountable to yourself. You know, right. whether we're at work or at home. You know, when we're at work, every... You know, he, he has the opportunity to keep his hands on everything. He can control everything. But what type of guy are you, or what type of man are you going to be once you leave those, walk out of that building? Right. You know, that's when the accountability factor sits in where he was like, hey, you need to be more accountable to yourself. You know, once you leave this building and know that other guys are counting on you to actually return, you know, the next day to pick up where we started off yesterday. And that was just an ongoing thing. But more importantly, just being accountable to yourself and to your teammates. Right. Earlier this week, we heard about Darrell Rivas, who once upon a time criticized Bill Belichick, but now singing so much praise of Bill Belichick and that Patriots organization. Right. He said, when you come to work, you go to work from the start of OTAs into training camp. And like you said, it's about accountability and it's about mm -hmm. winning. And so many times you haven't been in organizations where winning is the most important thing. And, and speaking of that, you've had a chance to be on the opposite end of receptions from, you know, Tom Brady. And what, what is it like? What do you guys talk about in, in the huddle? I mean, can you guys improvise or will you just stick to the script? Uh, well, I mean, it, we had the luxury to, just, to do both. I think mainly the coaches did a great job of, you know, preparing us each and every week for every game. 
but there's always opportunity and there's going to be things that comes up in the, during the course of the game that's going to alter our game plan where we have to improvise. And right. I think having a leader like Tom uh, and having the, the guys, the, the, the smart guys around him, we were able to, to, to do that. Now, how often, you know, like I said, most of the time we're pretty much prepared dead on. The coach do a great job of making sure we see everything during the week of practice that this team is going to throw at us. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and you don't win Super Bowl MVP if you don't improvise a little bit, Nick. <laughs> well, you know, we have the luxury to do that on the sideline. You know, if we see some stuff and if Tom sees some things that, hey, fellas, this, this isn't the same look we was getting in practice. If we see that again, let's do this. You know, the thing is, as long as we're on the same page, right. then we're good to go. Now, if we go out there and mess that up, Tom is thinking one thing and Myself and Troy or David Patton, David Gibbons are thinking something else. Then that's the issue. You know, Coach gave us the luxury to do that, you know, the, the freedom. So uh, thank God that we cashed in and we, we made sure we <laughs> worked everything hey, out. Exactly. Dion, I got to ask you this. You know, obviously the game that you won Super Bowl MVP was – I mean, transcendent in a word. But when you won the right. MVP, you know, did did Tom give you a little bit of crap? Like, hey, you know, congratulations <laughs> on winning MVP, going to Disneyland and all that. But you know, I was throwing you the ball, so you know, maybe uh, maybe <laughs> share that award with me. You know, maybe bring me to Disneyland. Did he ever, you know, uh, give you at least a little bit of a hard time for winning the award, or was he just completely um, gracious? No, I'm saying this guy, man, this this, this this that's my brother. You know. This guy, like you said, he never did that not one time. I hey, hey Nick's that, my oh, brother. Man, if, hey. if he did that to me, I would try and hit him up for something. <laughs> <laughs> but see, you know what? You know, see, see, Dion, see, this is what I have to deal with. Mario is that same type of guy to, to bring you exactly. uh, to, to bring you up to speed on Mario. <laughs> he, he, Mario is the same type of guy that will coach a team and then look to have fantasy players on his team and an opposition. <laughs> you know, that's the type exactly. of guy he is. That's what I'm dealing with. Hey, D, I win any any kind of way that I can. And I get a lot of crap for it on Twitter. You can go look. You have to. <laughs> you you got to take advantage of every opportunity. But I, I would say Tom was at, at peace after the game. I think we all, you know, the most important thing was to win the Super Bowl. You know, we we took care of that. Now, what happens after that is out of, out of control. You know, we can't control who's going to win this award. But with Tom, he was at peace to, hey, Enjoy your time, man. And I think really he was saying that congratulations because this guy needs a break. You right. know, I think this guy's like all over the place. That's the last thing that he really was thinking about. You're you telling know, me a man married to Giselle needs a break? <laughs> oh, he needs this guy needs a break, man. Oh, come on, brother. <laughs> if you just if you just joining us, we are joined by Dion Branch. Super Bowl 39 MVP from the New England Patriots. Dion, I have to ask you this question. Of course, you know, it is July and usually it's summer blockbusters. It is 4th of July tomorrow. And that means usually that training camp is looming and it's vastly approaching. Talk about your first going into your first training camp with the New England Patriots. And as you were trying to prepare yourself to report and the rigors that was going to be associated with that. What was going through your mind, and how did you prepare yourself for that training camp? Well, man, I'm going to just be honest with you. First of all, I was very thankful to have the opportunity to be drafted by those guys first coming off the Super Bowl. You know, the Rams, 
the, the you know that prior Super Bowl. But me personally, I was excited just just at all, man. I promise you, I trained so hard my that off season from the end of my senior year going into my rookie season in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Now, the only thing that would help me out a lot was that we went out and did our rookie mini camp with the team. So, coach gave us a smidget of what it was like once we returned. So, he kind of beat us down pretty good, which was an eye opener for myself and the rest of my teammates, the rest right. of the rookies, rather. Me, personally, I, knowing my work ethic, I knew exactly what I had to do to prepare myself, and that's what I did. I think I overprepared, but that's a great thing. And then I was so excited, man, just to get back to work with these guys, to work with Troy, man, to work with David Patton, just to get in there and soak up all the information that I can from these guys and to, to go out and help these guys as much as I could. Um, very thankful for the opportunity that they gave me, you know, because I played a lot as a rookie, and uh, in which I expected to. That's right. something that I didn't expect. I expected to play as much as I did. You know, there was times I wanted to start, but I also knew who was in front of me. So, but <laughs> person, I think as a youngster, man, this is the time the guys are just so anxious to get in there. And I think most important, what they have to understand is, you know, you go in there to do a job. This is not a, this is not play play anymore. It's not college anymore. Right. And, and I, I, I truly understood that. Now, now when you look at, uh, and I mentioned this early, Darrell Revis is now uh, a part of, the New England Patriots, and then they add Brandon Browner. And we know that mm-hmm. this was a secondary that was really young. They were battered and bruised. There was a lot of deficiencies in that secondary. What do you see these two guys bringing to that defense, and how would that impact the remaining of the division? Well, I think the most important thing for those guys is they continue to be the, the players that they were years ago. You know, last year, the year before that, everybody know what Broner, who's Broner, and everybody know who Darrell Revis is. Hey, right. You know, if, if they can just get uh, a third of what Darrell was back in his days, that's an already impact on that team. That's an improvement. The same thing for Browner. You know, these guys are going to have an instant impact regardless, though, because like you said, that secondary was so young. And by it, there wasn't a lot of pass rushing, you know, pass rush against the quarterbacks last year from the defensive right. line standpoint. That, you know, put a lot on the cornerback, you know, a lot of pressure on them. But now that you bring in two impactful defensive backs, that's going to help that defense out tremendously. Well, well, you know what, since you, you played wide receiver in the NFL for both mm-hmm. the Seattle Seahawks and the Patriots, you played at a high level, you know, it, it will, I would be remiss if I let you get out of here and not ask you, what receivers right now, when you look at the, the league as a whole, I mean, who's in your top five? My top five. I mean, obviously, number one would be Calvin Johnson. Hmm. Number two, I would say AJ Green. Mm-hmm. I love what the youngster is doing, and then he's going to be a tremendous player. Number three, I have to go with my guy Larry Fitzgerald, who's a very consistent guy throughout the years. You know, he's been kind of lost in the shuffle because of where he's playing at. There's no, you know, he don't get a lot of TV time per se. Right. Um, I would say number four. I'm 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 looking to see what. Well, number four, I would say Dash Bryant, for sure. I love what this guy's doing. He's probably gonna make his way up in that top top two, top three tier pretty soon. 
And and then I would say Deshaun Jackson. Deshaun, Deshaun and, you know, we got also, I, I can't leave off my man Demarius Thomas. Oh, thank you, know, Deshaun. I was, I was I, holding my breath. Yeah, I, I can't leave off my guy Demarius, man. This guy has done a tremendous job. He's the same player that he was with Tim Tebow, and, and he's even even hey, better man. with Peyton Manning. So, so what, what, where's Michael Crabtree in that bunch? Um, you know, you know what? You for me, we had this discussion. <laughs> <laughs> where's Crabtree? Say, um, yeah, he's down in like forty something, Nick. He's, no, he's not in the forty. He's not in the forty. You know, I'm coming in with a sorry I, receiver like Crabtree. I would love for Crabtree. You know, I think Crabtree can fit in that top fifteen range, but you know, I, I hope he can just stay healthy. That way, he can go out and do everything that the coaches ask for him and Sam Fran. But he's a he's a he's a great player. He's a great receiver. What what you know, you the uh, most yourself? I'm sorry. Who reminds you the most of yourself in the NFL right now? Just real quick. Right now, I would say Antonio Brown. Right on. That's good company. I would say Antonio Brown. Yes, sir. If I had to pick and choose one of those guys, one of those guys, I would say Antonio Brown. Um, myself, I, I used to watch a lot of Steve Smith films, so I can't say remind me of myself because Steve came in before I did. Right. You know, mm-hmm. I mimic a lot of things that Steve Smith did myself. But guys, that reminds me of myself. Well, well, Dion, we pride ourselves on secondary perspective and uh, doing a lot in the community, and I know you do a lot. So uh, tell the listeners yes. about your Dion Branch Foundation. Yes, well, the Dion Branch Foundation was started back in 2004. It's a foundation that's near and dear to me. My son was uh, diagnosed with viral meningitis, and that's the reason why uh, I, I, I stepped out and then I vowed that, I, hey, I want to go out and help these other families who've been inflicted with this disease, who, whose kids or other family, you know, other family members whose children have been affected by this disease. And then just, just making people aware that it's a daily disease and that, hey, we need to be on tilt as far as the, the young ladies who's going in and getting these tests done to make sure that they're following up with their tests once they go back before the pregnancy. You know, right. it's hard to say how my son contracted the disease. I mean, we all know it's germs, but at what point did he contract it? That part we can't say. But the doctors have all, you know, issued out different orders that most of the parents, most of the females, make sure that they get tested before they go back to uh, actually give the virginal, I mean, the vaginal birth to the kids. Right. Make sure that everything is clear and, you know, they can go ahead and go through with the process. But... That's my main reason I started with my for my son DeAndre, uh, who was diagnosed back in, you know, at at birth. But that was in 2004 when the when I started the foundation. Well, we're up against a break here, Dion. Tell people where they can go and find out more information about you and this uh, foundation that you started. Right, they can go to DeonBranchFoundation.org. DeonBranchFoundation.org. See everything on there. You know, mission statements all. Everything that I'm doing, as far as with my charitable, my givings, and, and the events and the camps and stuff that I put on for the kids, in which I just completed my my ninth annual mm-hmm. skills and drills football camp back at home in Georgia. That was last Saturday, and then the Saturday prior to that, I completed my fifth annual skills and drills camp in Louisville, Kentucky. So. 
And then, you know, my wife said I do a lot of other things with, with, with badly abused women. Uh, we do Thanksgiving dinners for our families. And we also take kids shopping, you know, uh, less fortunate kids shopping for Christmas. So there's a lot of things. My, my wife is pretty much spearheaded this entire thing. She's pretty much the backbone. She forced me to get out and, and get mm-hmm. this stuff done. So, you know, like I said, behind every strong man is even a stronger woman. And, and I'm, I'm very thankful to have her behind me. Well, uh, uh, Dion, we are thankful to have you on. And I know you're a patriot, but I'm going to give you a mile high salute for what you're doing off yeah, the field. Yeah, buddy. And seldom yes, is is it recognized for what we do off the field, but on secondary perspective, that's what we do. And thank you for being the man that you are. Hopefully, we can get you on down the line to talk about New England Patriots. Coming up after the break, we're going to talk to one-time Denver Bronco and St. Louis Rams, Dre Bly, and get his thoughts on his one-time teammate, Champ Bailey. You're listening to Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective on Voice America Sports. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Looking for the best show about horse racing and handicapping? Want to play the ponies? Join us every week for Winning Ponies with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, where you'll go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, agents, and handicappers in the world of horse racing. This show is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Listen for top plays for the weekend and the spot play of the week and win prizes just for calling in. Winning Ponies with John Englehart is live Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists, discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune in to All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Fridays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Sports and medicine go hand in hand. Quite simply, if you aren't up to your game health-wise, you won't be up to your game on the field. That's where Bruce the Sports Doc comes in. Dr. Bruce Grossinger uses his medical training and experience to bring you a link between sports and medicine. From the latest advances and treatments to discussion behind the injuries of the week, Bruce the Sports Doc and his team of guest experts are here each week to lay it on the line in terms that you can understand. Tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Listening to Secondary Perspective with Nick Ferguson. To get in the lineup for today's show, please call 1 888 346 9144. That's 1 888 346 9144. Or send an email to nickfergshow at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. You know, Mario, that was some great stuff from uh, Dion Branch. And like I told him, seldom. And the media industry, do we focus on what players are, are doing? And normally it's what they're not doing. And we've seen the information roll across the ticker on the four-letter network of uh, DUIs, possessions, uh, spousal abuse, y- you name it. But to have guys out there in a community doing something positive that not only 
enriches their lives, but enriches the lives of those who they come in contact with. So, you know, once again, I applaud Deion Branch and all the other NFL players that are out there doing uh, what they need to do in the community. Another guy who does a lot in the community, uh, one of my former teammates, uh, second round draft choice for the St. Louis Rams, Dre, Bra- Dre Bly, excuse me, joins the program. Dre, what's going on? What's up, Nick? I'm actually, I took time away from the family. I'm sitting in the parking lot at Bush Gardens. Today is my daughter's eighth birthday, and um, so I had to take time out from my family to, to come join you. What a show. blessing this is. It, 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 let's like, not, well, let's not keep them long. I've been to Bush Gardens. That place is off the hook. <laughs> well, with, with that said, Dre, we will not keep you, keep you long. Uh, what I want to talk about is, yeah, you played with Champ Bailey. Now he's playing with the Saint, I mean, excuse me, the New Orleans Saints. So what, what were your thoughts? Did you have any conversation with him before he made that jump to go to New Orleans? Uh, and if so, what was it about? Well, I had talked to Champ after the Super Bowl. I talked to him before the Super Bowl. And, uh, and basically, you know, going into it like his, seemed like his, what, 16th year, 15th, 16th year, uh, you know, the thing is, and I know a lot of players deal with this when they're done, you know, a lot of guys say play as long as you can. And, you know, because when it's over, it's over. Mm-hmm. And um, and if Champ, you know, feels still has that passion to play, you know, some guys lose that passion when they hit year 10. Some guys lose it when they hit year 5. Some guys don't necessarily lose it until, you know, until they basically get forced out of the door. And Champ right. is a guy uh, Nick, that you can validate as well. But he has a tremendous amount of ability. Um, you know, when he was at 28, 29, he still was faster and more athletic than a lot of defensive backs, a lot of guys in the game. Still, even at 35, um, still a champ, you know, a healthy champ, Bailey still is is a threat back there, a guy that can make plays with his wisdom, with his knowledge. I think he can be uh, a help uh, in the New Orleans Saints secondary. He can be a help for a lot of teams out there. He just has to be healthy, and I think champ understands that. I don't think champ really see himself as a, a starter anymore, a guy that's playing 65 to 70 snaps a game, but you know, for him to get in to play 25 to 30 snaps a game, you know, whether it's at nickelback or whether it's at uh, safety in past situations, um, I think Champ and I think you think yourself can can be helpful. And still, he has passion for the game. So if you have passion for the game, Nick, um, you know, why not play? Hey, Dre, I got a question for you. And being a part of the Denver organization, you can speak more personally to this. The way that the Broncos handled the whole Champ Bailey situation where they kind of just, you know, released him out into the wild and said, hey, thanks for your decade of service. Thanks for being the face of the organization. Uh, but it's just you're not in the, it's not in the cards for you to play with us anymore. Do you have a problem as a former player with the way that they handled that? Or is that just to be expected and that's uh, normal nowadays? Well, that's it's normal, but that's not. I, I don't appreciate that part of the game, and you know, uh, you know, guys like Peyton Manning, guys like Champ Bailey, who has been the face of that, that franchise for a long time. And other than John Elway, I don't think there is will go down as another player that as popular or as uh, big to a, a franchise to uh, in Denver than what Champ Bailey was, and uh, so therefore, I, I think. You know, the NFL, and even just with professional sports, I don't think they do a good enough jobs on 
on letting the, the star player, the big time guy, go out on his own terms and, and giving him a fair wear, or or sort of just sort of catering towards him towards the end of his career. You know, I didn't say keep him around or pay him um, or or pay him X amount of dollars, but but a guy, with the guy that has made as many Pro Bowls and has done as much as Champ has done for that franchise, um, I think you sort of can give him sort of ask him what, you know, what, what is needed or which way he would like to go out. And right. the way they did it, uh, I was, you know, I talked to him, and he told me how whole, how the whole thing went down, how they called him in. And, and basically it was almost like they was sort of, you know, expecting him to retire and not necessarily asking or, or seeing what he felt or, or what he wanted to do. But Champ was a guy that still wants to play. And, you know, Champ didn't want a big press conference or any of that stuff. But um, I... I I hate the fact the way they, they treat vets sometimes. I wish they would sort of treat them a little bit better, especially the ones that have done nothing but good for the organization. But it's a business. But uh, at the end of the day, man, I think certain guys deserve a little better treatment than what, you know, than, than what they get. Well, if you just join us, we're talking agree. to Dre Bly, standout corner from UNC Tar Heels, the Denver Broncos, St. Louis Rams, and the 49ers. And speaking of 49ers, you picked off a pass against the Atlanta Falcons. And maybe at the 10-yard <laughs> line, you know, raised the ball in the air and started to showboat a little. Then Roddy White comes out of nowhere and strip you of the ball. I mean, what were you thinking? Oh, uh, Nick, you had to bring that thing? up, dude. Come on. How did I know that you were asking me that question? But you know what, Nick? It's so funny. It really is not funny. It's, it, well, actually, it is funny because that's the last play that mostly people remember me having or the last play that people remember me of is that right. fumble that I had in 2009 against the Atlanta Falcons. And just to answer your question, Nick, out of 43 career interceptions that I um, have or, you know, ended with playing in the NFL, Mm-hmm. 42 of them, I did that play successfully, and I did not get caught. But on the one <laughs> that you get caught on, the one that they remember, and they make it a big deal, and I become bad guy. I don't know Nick Matt. Yeah, you know, he Roddy made a great play, and um, and I mean, I, if I can do it all over again, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't have done it. But um, you know, I tell people everybody has somebody they idolize that they right. look up to, and Dion was my guy growing up. And Dean, I was a guy that played with a lot of enthusiasm. You know, he entertained and had a good time. And that was sort of like one of his patented moves. And, and so he, Dean, I was a guy that I wanted to sort of emulate when I was out there on the field. And so whenever I made an interception, you know, uh, and it was risky doing it. But, you know, playing out there on that island is, is playing a risky position anyway. But it was something that I did. Um, I didn't really necessarily tuck the football when I ran with the ball. Whenever I caught an interception, mm-hmm. and I was always sort of, um, you know, just raise it, you know, sort of entertain it and uh, in it, trying to entertain the fans. But, you know, I would quickly tuck it back. And um, and I got caught, uh, you know, and having the football exposed. And he made me fumble the football. And so uh, I was a bonehead. So that's what was I thinking? I was, I don't know. I wasn't thinking anything, but I was a bonehead. And I got, and I paid for it. So, um, but. Nick, did you never I'm, fumble an interception? You know what? Uh, no, I only have five in my career, so I didn't have as many touches. So with that, I didn't have that many opportunities to turn the ball over. But to Dre, while, you, while we're talking about with this. Those, 
with those fives, you didn't have as much fun with those five as Dre did. If Dre got to pay for it one time, hey, oh well. That's because every time Dre's just trying to Dre's just trying to love life, dude. Nick, uh, Nick didn't have no 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 carries or, or no um, extra yardage <laughs> to run the football. So every time he caught the ball, he got tackled. So Nick didn't have to worry about any of that stuff. You know what, Mar- you know what, Mario and Dre. And Mario, you know what I'm about to say, Dre. That particular play, even though we're just kind of having a little fun here, on this show we would call that the Tony Romo effect. And let me explain real quick. <laughs> when a guy's put in, put himself in a position, or the team has to be successful, and then it's just that one play. You play great all year. You play great all game, and just that one play, that everyone one remembers. Play. So, so for you, that was your Tony Romo effect. Before we let that you get my, out of here, that was my Tony Romo butthead play. <laughs> um, Ryan Sanchez, uh, that's that's that play for me. And it's so funny that you mention that. But nowhere I can go, wherever I am, and not getting and not getting mentioned. Um, everybody still remembers that play, and we laugh about it. And it's right. The crazy thing about it, you were 34, 33 years old. You were on a thirty yard line, dude. You had seventy yards to go. And you're not outrunning anybody. You're not bad anymore, dude. That's the funniest thing about the whole deal that, you know, happening. Um, I was older. I probably wasn't going to pick six it, and I'm showboating. What a, what a dumb butt, huh? <laughs> hey, man, hey, you live and you learn. Now, before we let you get out of here, we just had Dion Branch give us his top five wide receivers. So give us your top five DBs. Well, um, I'm a guy. I'm I'm all about a guy that that, that match up and a guy that plays and, and uh, shows a lot of athleticism out there in the field. A guy that make plays. I'm a big fan of Patrick Peterson. He's a guy to me that displays a lot of athleticism, speed, agility. He got to match up um, with the top receiver. He a guy that punt returns. But what I love mostly about him is that I feel like he's um, versatile, and he does a lot of things. So I, he's my number one guy. Number two, you have to still consider Revis as the guy, Revis Allen. Until somebody uh, basically come in and dethrone him, uh, I mean, he definitely is going to be the guy. And still coming off of ACC or the ACL surgery or the, uh, the knee surgery that they had a couple of years ago, I still feel like he's the most the best. Number three, you have to go with Richard Sherman. Uh, being in that system that he's in in Seattle, he makes a lot of plays. The system is dependent of, of him, um, but I think he's suited well in that system. He's able to benefit because of the system that he plays in. Number four, Talik, that went to Denver Broncos. He's a guy that plays with a lot of ability, makes plays, a confident individual. And number five, um, Hayden, down in Cleveland. I think he's on the up and up. Um, he's a guy that has a lot of ability as well. I think he needs to be a little bit more consistent. Uh, he gambles a little bit, but I think he has a lot of ability, and I think he's a guy on the up and up. So that's my top five, Nick. Well, thank you for your top five. You know, and I was telling Dion in the, in the first segment that I talked to Troy Brown a lot, and this this ongoing thing about that Super Bowl in two thousand and two, which you played in. Was there a spike? Was that an early introduction to Spygate? And and now Man, do you still think about that? Of- if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. That's what that was. <laughs> that was an early introduction of you're not cheating, you're not trying. Bill Belichick cheated, dude. So you think that 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 
Somehow they knew all your plays. They were calling them out. They knew when Marshall Falk was going to motion out to create the one-on-one matchup. You feel as though they knew everything about what you guys were doing game plan-wise. Oh, yeah, they knew everything. You know, typically the day before a game, Nick, and you know this as well as anybody, you know, you walk through your first 15. And as right. the offense, um, you know, when they do that two-minute drill, um, um, the day before a game, but before they do the two-minute drill, they walk through the first 15 plays. Or the first 15 might be the two-minute drill, but that's typically what teams go over the day before a game. And apparently that's what they supposedly recorded. Um, and they were on, if you watch that game or watch the replay of that game, first half, we didn't do anything. I mean, I, I'm not sure if we had any positive yardage. They were on everything that we did. They hit us. Uh, I don't know if we had a first down or anything, but it was on everything that we did. And, and typically, that's what the first 15 is, is the first half of football. And so, um, and I'm not, you know, once again, I, I joke about Belichick. And, you know, obviously, he's a um, you know, Hall of Fame coach. He's an outstanding coach. But, um, you know, it's, I felt like they ended our dynasty and started their own dynasty. But there's a theory. You know, there's a saying. If you're not cheating, you're not trying. And they were able to get away with it. And they were able to end our dynasty and start their own dynasty down there in New England. Well, there it is. From Dre Bly himself, someone who was there in the Super Bowl, and I guess it's a common theme now in the NFL, if you're not cheating. You're not trying, and we're years removed from that Super Bowl, but you can see there is still bad blood there. Dre, go ahead and enjoy Bush Garden. Happy Fourth of July to you. Tell the family I say hello, and I will talk to you later. No doubt, Nick Ferguson. It's always a pleasure, big, uh, big dog. All right, thank you. After the break, we're going to talk to D'Amico Ryans, the cornerstone to that Philadelphia Eagles defense, and see out if Chip Kelly's offense can maintain that momentum they generated towards the end of last season. Nick Ferguson, Secondary Perspective. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. I just think that the coach made a mistake. Oh, crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter. Formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams, Kwame's got the experience. So he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time. Get ready for an unpredictable, fun, and sometimes sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. 
your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're listening to Secondary Perspective with Nick Ferguson. To get in the lineup for today's show, please call 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to nickfergshow at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. One hand in the air, if you don't really care. Two hands in the air, if you don't really care. It's like that sometimes, I mean ridiculous. It's like that sometimes, ridiculous. Ridiculous, 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 Nicholas. I just made that up. One, two, redfish, bluefish, whatever. It is secondary perspective. The day before 4th of July, I don't know what your plans are. Uh, and we'll talk about that later, Mario, what we're going to do, what Justin's going to do. But right now, let's hear from the man who's holding down the middle for the Philadelphia Eagles, Road Tide, Alabama Zone. D'Amico Ryan. D'Amico, how's it going? Fern, what's good, man? Everything, everything's going great. Everything is going great. You know what? Let me tell people who don't know uh, the backstory uh, about you, a couple of things that you've achieved, you know, not from a football standpoint, but, but academics, because we have to know the student become, comes before the athlete. Four-time academic, all ACC, bachelor's degree in 2005, graduated cum laude. You know, cum laude. Come on, D'Amico. Tell the people about that, man. Cum laude. Hey, if you got Latin after your name, that's official right there. That's official. That's Put official. Put in a lot of hard work, man. A lot of long hours in college. Not just, not just football all the time, but really, you know, really was ded- dedicated to the education. Being that I was, I was one of the first ones to graduate in my family from the university, so I really had to had the later foundation and really set an example for all my younger you know, cousins and nieces and nephews that were coming after me. Well, well, also, you did something great in 2011, I read. You donated $300,000 of scholarship in your name to Alabama for uh, someone in the football department uh, who wanted to go on and, and pursue, uh, I guess, their uh, academics in the College of uh, Commerce and Business Administration. I mean, what propelled you to do something like this for someone in the, in the program? Well, it, it's, it's something that I, that I, I kind of always wanted to do to uh, reach back and help the university and always have my name just, you know, etched in stone there at the university. So now I have a perpetual scholarship. And, and you know, once again, it was something that, you know, the university gave me that opportunity when, you know, it wasn't a lot of, a lot of people, you know, Knowing that the bid to to give me a scholarship or allow me to, to come play ball and you know go to their, their university or school, but University of Alabama was like the only SEC school to give me an offer, and I just that was a, that was a huge uh, it was huge in my life, and I just want always wanted to do something to affect the change in some other young person's life that have come after me. Now, now normally on our third segment of the program, we get into what we call our real talk segment. So okay. I'm going to toss a couple of things out and, and you know, you can follow me on Mario, whatever, and, and just attach real talk to it. Now, uh, obviously last year was seemed to be a struggle for you guys early on when Chip Kelly came into the, the organization, but somehow in the back end, you guys were able to put it together. Real talk. What can we expect 
from this year, Philadelphia Eagles, and can you guys capitalize off of the momentum you guys generated towards the end of the season? I mean, I, I think real tall, man, I, I really see just a, better, a much better defense. You know, we, we brought Malcolm Jenkins in from the Saints, and he's, he's, uh, he's really, you know, stepped, up, stepped it up in our secondary, just leading those guys like a totally different group. So I really see a, a more complete defense, a more and more dominant defense, you know, starting out the year. And that's, that's really, I feel like everybody is comfortable within the scheme. The, the things that we're doing, everybody's much more comfortable. Everybody knows what we're doing. Everybody's just flying around, communicating well. So, you know, there's going to be, you'll see an improved defense from the Eagles this year. Hey, real talk, I absolutely agree with DeMarco. They're going to win this division, I think, running away, Nick. But it's less of a compliment to them and more of an indictment on the division. Like, you know how we feel about the Dallas Cowboys. And, D'Amico, if you're new to the show, we always talk about Tony Romo and never being able to get it done in the clutch. Cowboys are an 8-8 eight and eight team. Giants are a 6-10 and 10 team. Really, the big competition you're going to have is with the Washington Redskins Obviously, everything that went down with Deshaun Jackson, the way that he was treated, and maybe we'll get your opinion on that, but uh, you, you feel like he's out for blood. Uh, and, but I feel like that's going to be the Eagles' biggest competition, but I love what Chip Kelly's doing over there in Philadelphia. The city of brotherly love is alive with football. They're going to win their division. And uh, D'Amico, you're going to be a pro bowler. Real talk. <laughs> that's great, man. That's what I'm gunning for, man. That's all good things. Of course, you know, we... We hate the Cowboys over here, too, so <laughs> we're with you on that, man. And then the, the Deshaun situation, it was, you know, it, it's tough anytime you lose just a, such a dynamic player, a playmaker, who is able to, he has that ability. You know, there's not many players that have the ability to, to take it to the house wherever they get the ball. Whenever they get the ball in the hand, you kind of, you don't know what's going to happen, but he has the ability to take it to the house. So it's tough losing him. But I think overall, for our for our locker room, for our team, I think it's it's uh it was a good move, you know, move that the coaches made. We have to live with it and move on from it, and we know we're going to get his best game for you know when we play him. But we're looking forward to. It. Now, Jamico, you guys added, uh, and I don't know why the New Orleans Saints allowed this to happen, but you guys were able to get and acquire Darren Sproles in a trade with the New Orleans Saints. And, and earlier, uh, LaShawn McCoy said this week, he thinks he can get 2,000 yards. Real talk mm. with adding a guy like Darren Sproles and, you know, playing in that Chip Kelly's offense, is this perception or is this reality? You know, I think it's reality because one thing that, you know, people get misconstrued about Coach Kelly's offense is, you know, people talk about the passing game and the no huddle. I mean, we led the league in rushing last year. And, I think the running game is just going to get better because our offensive line does a really good job, and Shady does an awesome job just making making a lot of people miss because things are so spread out. He's really a tough tackle one-on-one in open space. So, I mean, Shady does have that ability to, uh, to make, you know, get 2,000 yards, but, you know, with, with Sproles coming in, I'm not sure, you know, how the reps are going to fluctuate between the both of those guys, but... Sproles does bring an, an awesome dynamic to our backfield, too. It, you know, he's a guy you can line him up outside. I know I've played against him a lot of times, and he's always in a matchup nightmare because, you know, linebackers have to go out and cover him, and he's such a quick guy, 
such a dynamic threat. So uh, I'm happy that he's on our team and I don't have to worry about going against him. <laughs> <laughs> well, well D'Amico, I have to ask you this. You know, oftentimes teams deal with a lot of issues uh, during the season, especially in the off season. You guys had one last year with Riley Cooper. Uh, j- just tell our listeners, you know, h- how that situation galvanized the team and brought you guys together and how the veteran leadership was able to handle that situation as a whole. Well, it was, a, you know, of course it was, it was a, a tough situation, you know, because you, you're dealing with, you know, 53 different guys. Everybody has a different opinion about, about this situation. It affected everyone in a different way. So we were at really a crossroads of how we had, we, how do we come together on this thing? Well, we had a, had a team meeting and, you know, guys just got up and, you know, said how they felt about the situation. It, every, you couldn't just expect everybody to just drop it and be done with it, you know, just at, at, at the snap of a finger because it, it affected some people deeper than others. But, like I told the guys, as a team, you know, we had to move forward. We couldn't let this just linger. If anybody had something to say to Riley as men, we just had to come together, say what you have to say, and, you know, let it be known. Don't continue to bicker in the locker room or talk in little clicks. Go ahead and get it out in the open face-to-face, you know, handle the situation like men. And we were able to do that as a team, and that's why we were able to, you know, we were able to, come together and move forward as opposed to have that situation linger throughout the season and it just end up in a bag. You know, it's one of those bad feelings where you don't want to, you don't want to come to work because there's so much, you know, mess and stuff going on in the locker room, but we didn't have that guys. I, I really commend our guys who stepped up as men and really, really hashed the situation out. Well, well, D'Amico, uh, earlier this week, you know, the information came out about the concussion lawsuit and they went back to the table to uncap the amount of money that's going to go to the guys who really need it, who's dealing with Parkinson's, uh, ALS, and, and dementia. Uh, for a guy who's currently playing the game, I mean, how close attention do you pay to these issues? And have you had a conversation with some of the guys you currently play with and how this could affect you guys moving forward? Uh, yeah, I haven't had conversations with guys I play with, talked to some, you know, some former guys. You know, that, that seems to be the, the, the biggest issue when I talk to the former players, guys I play with, just the health issues, the disability, and just trying to get those, trying to get those benefits. And it, it, it's, it's kind of, it's, it's tough that we have to fight so hard to get those things. But I, you know, the, I, I just, I just pray that the benefits and the, the monetary value going to guys who, who truly needed, guys who were truly affected by the concussions. It's just, you know, concussions, you know, they're playing a game. Concussions, is, it, it becomes a part of the game. and You know it's part of the game. You really have to just, you know, kind of be careful when you're out there playing the game, not not leave with your head and not not put yourself at harm, in harm's way. But uh, some things are just unfortunate. And with it being such a bang-bang sport, things like that happen. But you just want guys to be, if guys are injured or hurt from it, that's what I tell guys now, the younger guys in the locker room is, Make sure you, you're applying for your workers' comp. Make sure you're understanding all of the benefits that are out there for you so if these things come upon you, you're ready to attack it head on. Well, two questions, two more questions before we let you get out of here. The first question, and we, we go back and forth on this program about it, and you played in, played in the SEC. 
Uh, and I guess it's a new playoff system this year. But the biggest thing is, in, is the SEC really the best football conference in America? Real talk. Man, hands down. <laughs> <laughs> hands down. It's, it's the best football conference in, in America, man. You just, you look at it, I mean, you just look at the SEC West and the, the teams that are in there. You got Alabama, LSU, Auburn, Texas A&M. I mean, any of those, those teams will be a top 10 team no matter what year you look at. Those teams will always be top 10 teams. And, all, and these teams are in there same division, not just the same conference, but within the same division. So, I mean, it, it is the toughest, the toughest conference to play in. That's why you have so many, so many great players coming out of SEC, so much great competition week after week, and that's what allowed guys to come into the league and really compete as rookies because of the great competition they face every week. Last question before I let you get out of here. We talk about it all the time on this program, and I truly, I believe... This should happen. I was a collegiate athlete. Should collegiate athletes see their fair share of the pot? Well, yeah. <laughs> I've had this conversation a lot, man. I feel like if if I feel this way, you know, I understand the, the guys that get scholarships, you know, their, their education is being paid for. But I, I, what I don't like is if. You know, guys, jerseys are being sold. You know, they say you can't put the, the name on the back, but we know, you know what person, you know, what number exactly. they're wearing. You know that the number two in Texas A&M yeah. is Johnny Football. Yeah. You know it's Johnny Manziel. <laughs> That's not, not anybody else. Being sold. They weren't being sold before he played there. So he should get some type of compensation for that jersey because he, that's, his, that's him. They're marketing him. They're marketing his number, his likeness. So he should benefit from the sales that are, are, are that are coming in from his life. That, that, that's, that's, that's what I see off of. The guys that are, guys who are the big name guys who are, you know, making the program run, bringing in revenue dollars for the program, they should get some type of cut. Well, there it is, D'Amico. Also, uh, I know you do a lot of great things uh, in the community. Where can people find out information about your foundation? Oh, it's DomicoRyanFoundation.org. Right now, we're uh, we're about to give out ten scholarships uh, next week to kids in uh, high school kids in Alabama. So this is just a blessing, man, to be in a position to always reach back and help others, and you know, continue to uh, you know continue to push other other kids to come up and do the same thing as they grow and get successful. Always reach back and help someone else. Well, D'Amico, thank you for joining the program. I wish you all the luck this season. And good luck on winning that division because I got you guys winning that division. Come on. Go so, Eagles! So, so make yeah, me right. We, we're not going to let you down, man. All right. Thank you, man. Appreciate right. you joining D'Amico's the program. D'Amico's going to want to come on secondary perspective every week. <laughs> You're going to win the Pro Bowl. Eagles yes. are going to win their division. D'Amico's loving us, dude. The only thing we did not say is the fact that the Eagles would actually – Make it to the Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl. That's the only thing we did not. And maybe uh, we'll say. see that if D'Amico comes back in, in another week. Well, we'll just see. Let's try to see if we can get him back on the program uh, and see if we can just kind of build the Eagles up, put that win underneath their wings. But let me tell you what, uh, real quickly. Oh, the wind beneath my wings. Uh, uh, all right, man. Don't quit your day <laughs> job. You are not Fed Miller. 
But uh, for those who listen to the program, once again, thank you for joining Nick Ferguson Secondary Perspective. One thing uh, about next week's show, let me give you an advanced preview. We're going to talk to Maurice Claret. You definitely want to tune in to that show. That's next Thursday here on Secondary Perspective on Voice America. Before we get out of here, Mario, what are your plans for the fourth? You know, I'm still trying to decide. I don't know if I'm going to a lake. I don't know if I'm going to go to a mile high and see some fireworks. I don't know if I'm just going to, you know, sit around and watch fireworks from my deck. So we'll see, man. We'll, we'll get it all figured out. But it's going to be a good fourth nonetheless. Well, I'm going to join some great friends and have a great time watching fireworks. And I guess uh, hopefully we don't see any birds running into one another falling out of the sky because, yeah, you know, fireworks, birds. For some reason, it doesn't mix. But, you know, my guys back in Phoenix, I wonder what they are going to be doing on the 4th. Uh, whatever it is, wherever you are, make sure it is safe and make sure any alcoholic beverage that you are drinking, make sure you get a designated driver and you do not drink and drive. Do not, only, not drink do and not, drive. We don't condone that. We not only educate you, but we enlighten you at the same time. Speaking of enlightenment, uh, it's the time of the show where I talk about the way to happen this book. Uh, a few cup, uh, lucky fans will get an opportunity to get a signed autographed copy of this book. I live by this book. Everyone should have this book. So I'm going to see if I can make that possible. I would like to thank the Church Scientology Celebrity Center for allowing me to film my show in their lovely garden pavilion. As Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective, another great show in the book. I'd like to thank my guest, D'Amico Ryans. And you can find his foundation at D'AmicoRyansFoundation.org. Also, Dion Branch, DionBranchFoundation.org. And also, Dre Bly for that insightful information on the transaction with Champ Bailey, longtime Denver Broncos. It's been a pleasure. Mile high salute. It is the 4th of July, firecrackers, hot dogs, and barbecue. Have fun. Nick Ferguson, Secondary Perspective, and we're out. God bless. for stopping by. Be sure to catch Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective again next Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. in the West on the Voice America Sports Channel. We'll share some more great stories next week.